It's shit show time. I'm Lagan, and I'm like giving candy to a baby. Mm-hmm. That's creepy. That's very creepy. Uh-huh. Um, I'm Christian, and I made a mental note last night to Google a pun about stranger danger or something like that, but I forgot, so I'm here now. I, I'm Mike, and I reliably forget to to do this every single time. Um. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm Brian, and I still fucking hate our intro and think we should probably get, like, a jingle. Any any musician three out there. Fans. It's the shit None show. None of our three fans <laughs> have requested a jingle. Yeah, yeah. Listen, we're now uh, get paid for our podcast, well, so we need to have a jingle, because... All podcasts have jingles. Uh, I, anyway, anyway, Stranger Danger PSAs exist because children don't know any better and need to be taught that the world is a dangerous place. Um, but then children grow up and sometimes they still don't get it. And that's the kind of movie we have today. Uh, adults and children who don't recognize the smiling villain. Uh, this is not necessarily a new concept to horror. You know, we got uh, Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lamb luring his next victim, pretending to be struggling, getting his couch into the white van. Um, but these are all modern takes uh, on the idea. Uh, and yeah, so this is going to be a category that's semi-realistic, which considering how over the top we've gotten in the past is a little different. Uh, it's a little bit more about, Hey, this could happen to you. And maybe not realistic, but feasibly. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it's not stranger danger is a I- idealistic relic of like the just say no eighties era fucking Reaganism garbage. People do still work like People who worry about space aliens. I mean, it's kidnapping yeah, pe- danger. People, pe- not people worry danger. about aliens or whatever, and that's fine. But they kind of, most of them, like, probably know they're being silly. Yeah, and but aliens like, when, aren't when real. But, but when there's, like, a nervous lady looking through the blinds in some some housing development or Martha's Vineyard, and she sees a strange man at the corner she doesn't recognize, she thinks it's okay to call somebody to ask yeah, like that, that's what I'm saying. Is this 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 type of thing is still considered a credible threat, and in some some very slim instances, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but like so rare compared to the kindness of strangers. Yes, yeah, that Martha's Vineyard is kind of one of those conflicting places where you might just let a random person into your home because, like, oh, it's. No, but yeah. I don't think it's as far-fetched as anybody's making out. You know, I mean, people have abducted people and still do, and they take advantage of their of their naivety or good nature. I mean, the, the, as Lagan said, like the the premise and the framing here is is far more down to earth than a lot of what we've done to the point where I would argue that two of these mightn't even be horror films; they're they're, they're thrillers, really. But let's get into that. Yeah, we got um, Creep, Greta, and Ma, all strong single-word titles. Uh, so, Oh, yeah, nice, nice. Very concise. Creep's the best one. You know, got a sequel? I also secretly put this category together just because I wanted to watch Creep again. Yeah. So we can work our way up to Creep. Yeah, so let's start with <laughs> sure. somebody introduce Ma. I'll do it. Um... Ma is a movie 
about um, a lady who gets tormented in high school and then takes it out on the future generation of the people that tormented her in high school. That's very concise, Brian. But also kind of a but also kind of a <laughs> twist. So if you had any if you had any intention of watching this, I guess, I guess that might in the trailer might gives it away. There, it's not really a twist. It it was pretty noticeable pretty quickly in the movie that like all of these people in small town America went to high school together and then had kids. Not necessarily the tormented part, but that's sort of a small part but big motivation they start flashing back to ma's time in high school fairly early on but they kind of save what the big torment was for her and they they work up to that and once you learn what it is yeah it's really bad but it's sort of like yeah i don't know if it was really worth killing a bunch of people for yeah i feel like maybe she had some sort of undiagnosed um, mental health disorder in the first place that, like, I mean, if you're in high school, you're probably not going to get efficiently diagnosed for that kind of thing. The the thing that happened to her in high school, and this is why it's she's kind of tragic, is never got looked at properly. The, the, weird, the weirdness she developed from the thing that happened to her in high school uh, caused her to spiral off and become this much more damaged person and basically no one noticed until it came full circle here generationally later. This film had a good idea, and the performance of the main lady in it was pretty good, but overall the film was kind of just, um, you know, it was was like, I don't want to make the film sound too good, you know? Octavia Spencer. She's been in a bunch of other stuff. Like, back to particulars, this lady agrees to buy underage teens alcohol and um, then invites them back to their house and says you can go drinking in my basement and they all think she's super cool and the basement is super cool and throughout the course of the film it becomes a thing where her house kind of becomes party central for teens because she's buying them alcohol and I suppose with regard to her performance and the suspense of disbelief that's required even that which is in the first act I found a small bit problematic because like, is, is this a thing teens would do? Would they get excited about this? Oh, for sure, yes. And I'm, and I'm not saying this is the question I'm putting to you. I've, I found it a bit weird or off. But like, what are your thoughts on American teens versus an older lady who says, come on back to my basement and you can drink in my house? See, there's one tiny thing that would have made this completely, perfectly socially acceptable, mostly. Um, you'd still need consent from other parents. But if she had a kid that was a teen in high school, then it would probably be fine. One that was participating in all of this? Yeah. Yes. Because we yeah, uh, we do find more ab- later. about, yeah, about um, her. No, I fucking get into it. There's not a whole lot of substance to this. It's, it's lady tries to relive glory days that she never had. Yeah, yeah. Um, becomes cool. Kids shun her. She goes murder crazy. You see, and that's what I think. One of the sad things about this character is is um, in the other two films, it's people who have gotten into a rhythm and kind of know what they're doing. In Ma, there's a real sense that she's just making it up as she went along. And the step one of the plan 
was just to be like the, a cool kid in high school, which is kind of sad and pathetic. And then step two of the plan was to uh, murder people and just stuff. And yeah, and I think that was the thing is that it wasn't really, she's not really the type of villain that's in the other two films where she's cold and calculating. She's just, just a damaged person. Yeah, I'm not sure who the villain is in this movie. I don't think it's good. I don't think this movie is a good movie. I don't think the premise is particularly enthralling. I feel like someone made it for their own personal, like, revenge porn. Because they weren't cool in high school. I can see the bones of a good movie yeah. in here. Personally, I kind of I get annoyed in horror films where you have to explain why the next bit is happening because the main characters are stupid. Yeah, every I, I have to keep reminding me, like, oh, why would they do this? Oh, they're teenagers. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cringe with the, all the, like, adult writing for high school yeah. stuff. But like, but that's what I'm what I'm saying in terms of, like, plot. And it's like, yeah, they're, they're dumb kids from high school, so they don't spot the, the creepy person being creepy before it's too late. But, like... I, I felt it was tiresome for me to keep reminding myself that they were high school kids. Yeah, that relates to the question I'm asking. So, that, like, that suspense of disbelief factor, it can be problematic. And it kind of depends on where you're coming from with it. Did they have this... Did, was Stranger Danger a big deal in oh, Ireland? for sure. But it was... Um, like, growing okay. up in well, the 90s, everybody was paranoid about weird pedophiles in white vans. But... Um, like, I think in the 80s, you might have had, like, uh, the, the creepy dude who's like, oh, isn't he nice the way he loves hanging out with kids and doing yeah. stuff? And, I mean, the, the, the sad thing was, I mean, those actual people were already ensconced and entrenched in the community. Yes. The, you know. But it's so <laughs> rare. It's like saying that just because someone is a serial killer, all people who have pets are serial killers or something, you know? Like, everybody was worried about pedophiles in white vans. And not so much worried about pedophiles and black frocks, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and scout leader. And again, all the tired old cliches. Yeah. Yeah. So as I said, like, it was, it was, always, it was, it was always the looking outward uh, when the looking inward would have been more useful. But, exactly. Um, but, like, with regard to this movie, I do think there's the bones of a good movie there. The casting, oh, it just didn't work that well. I don't know what it would have been better to have a male lead or a more... I don't know, a more provocative female lead, but there was something about her that just didn't didn't inspire fear when it needed to and didn't inspire kind of interest or... I don't know if it was the acting that didn't inspire fear, but I also was just sort of bored with it because I think the scenarios that tried to set up any sort of horror moments whatever that would be whether it's like gore or suspense or whatever they just were very plain like drugging a bunch of kids and then like the stuff that was done wasn't very scary some of it was one guy just got his face painted which is not <laughs> that yeah that yeah. that was the weird one because my immediate reaction was, is, is, is that acid? Is it lime? Is it... No, it's just paint. That actually would have been better if it was like some sort of acidy cleaning bleach stuff. That would have been... Yeah. Christian, the problem you had with, with Octavia Spencer is the same as the kind of the problem I had with, with the mom from Friday the 13th, where it's like the Octavia Spencer is... She was supposed to look like, 
oh, of course you'd, you'd think this lady was totally harmless. Like, like you know, she's like, you know, kind of yeah. bu- bubbly. And walking a three-legged dog. Walking a three-legged dog. And she looks after. And I think they were trying to set up that, like, she looked believable as somebody the kids wouldn't suspect of being like a like a crazed murdery type person. I think that was the problem is that like although she was sending out signals that she was creepy fairly early on in the film, I think her physicality was supposed to make it more believable that the kids would keep going back to her basement. I know, I think though I would I would have played it a lot differently. I think you could have had more fun with like um I, I mean, I don't know what it would have worked. If she was now super cool and the kids wanted to hang around with her. And she completely beguiled her former self. Yeah. You know, that because then even like the psychosexual elements with the guys would have worked a lot better. Whereas the psychosexual didn't really work because it's like, okay, we know the guy is only doing it to to whatever. But if she was more like the um, Mercedes character, um, I think that's a more dangerous type of a person. The kids want to hang out with her. The guys want to be with her. She's super nice, but she's also got. She can also be incredibly dangerous. Sure, that might be a better archetype, but I don't know if that fits the narrative that was portrayed. No, but the point I'm making is, in school, she was like it's it's this thing in school. She was the nerd that was bullied. Now, twenty years later, she, you know she's lost all the way. She's super <laughs> cool, you know. But but the only thing I would say I about so. that though is the level of damage done to her. She's basically the same person 20 years later. She never yeah, moved yeah, on. Yeah. But, like, yeah, you could totally play it the other way where so trauma she do. was a super cool person. Yeah, and all the bras are like, oh, yeah, bra. You know. Um, I think it's just a weak premise. Yeah, because the other way they portray her is that she makes, like, snap outlashes. So, basically, there isn't a lot of plotting going on. And, yeah, in looking at this category... I looked into the difference between horror and thriller. I appreciate that. You know, it's kind of a fine line. But, like, horror is more about the building up of of tension, and thriller is more, like, keeping you off your feet. And so when she just kind of outlashes, there's no build-up to that. It's just trying to keep you on your toes because you don't know what she's going to do. More volatile, more crime of passion. She was, like, an incredibly damaged person who was deciding things, like, as she went along. Like, it didn't seem like she had a plan, you know? And that's kind of what makes her different to the other two. Except that she keeps looking on social media to investigate people. So she's putting thought into her actions, but when she enacts them, it's just really haphazard, Mm. almost nonsensical. One of the saddest things in this film that I kind of liked is you can even see that her attempt to be the cool kid at school as an adult woman, and even that is going rather badly. Like the scene, I thought the scene where she buys beer for some other teenagers we don't know, mm-hmm. and they throw a beer at her window. They say something nasty to her and then drive off. I think that scene like shows how like she's making it up as she goes along and she's not really in control. I wouldn't say I was sympathetic for her, but like it was kind of sad. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's one thing that can happen with particular types of trauma is that you are sort of capped at a certain point in life and until you resolve whatever that trauma is, well you can't really develop in a healthy, normalized way. So, 
like even though the other two characters in the other two films probably had damage that made them the way they they were we didn't get into that and the films weren't super interested in why they were the way they were except for showing you now how much of a problem they are for other people in ma went out of its way to it was like um, a big long psa for Hey, don't 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 bully in school, kids. Yes. Or else you'll turn people into weird psycho murderers two decades later. Yeah, yeah. This would be a, a better PSA about mental health in yeah. teenagers than like uh, some sort of horror movie about. Fuck, I don't know. This just I don't think the. I don't think this is a very compelling premise. I don't think some sort of revenge for high school is just fucking. Move on. You know, just like we should. The subplot or side plot. Oh, almost the got there. Subplot or side plot with her, her, her daughter felt terribly underdeveloped and didn't go anywhere. Really muddy. Yeah. Sure. Do any, did, I thought that some something is here, but it didn't. It, is there going to be a reveal here? Oh, there's a particular Munchausen. disorder. Munchausen. Well, no, I get that, but no, that's not it. That's not it. Munchausen by proxy is inflicting visible injury on your child to garner attention hurting your child and keeping that a secret is different yeah i guess yeah but i get I, Bu- I, bubble I, bubble boyed her yeah well that was an autoimmune issue <laughs> with bubble boy but but she she convinced bubble boy that he had <laughs> no just i get all of that the, the whatever the making her sick or injuring her or what all that right but it felt like, is there going to be a reveal? Is this person going to have a bigger role? Is there going to be a twist? It felt like, oh, let's give her a daughter that she abuses, full stop. Um, and, I, and I thought you could have done more with that. Top of my head, I ain't sure. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, I think they were trying to show you, like, oh, the stuff in high school messed her up so much that she continued the yeah. damage cycle the, by the messing abuse. up her. Her own daughter, because I think all of that stuff she was doing to her daughter, it, I mean, it was muddied. But I think some parts of the things she said made it sound like she was so worried about people making fun of her daughter in school. Um, that's that's why she was keeping her out of school. And the only way to keep her out of school was to pretend that she was sick. But then that doesn't gel with the fact that she was hanging out with the kids in the basement while keeping the other kid locked away. I think she was also threatened by the idea of maybe this kid was an unwanted pregnancy they don't really do anything about that that maybe if her daughter got popular in high school that it was a threat to her maybe but like uh like i said underdone yeah the film didn't go Mm -hmm. quite far enough in a couple areas there's just one great moment where she gets the guy who abused her in a room and she's about to cut off his dick, and then she's like, "Ah, oh, J.K. Nope, that would have been horrifying, but we can't be we can't be that horrifying." But she replaces his blood with dog blood. That's really, really bad. Sure, that's awful. But she also drugs him to sleep so he doesn't like experience that. That's true. He just like dies. Also, I mean, if you're gonna replace someone's blood with dog blood, they're gonna get real sick. But they're not going to die immediately. They're just going to get real sick and then maybe die. Because, you know, blood infections are really But she did also you. cut open his wrist. Yeah, to make the circulation faster. But imagine, Brian, you're writing the script and you're like, okay, we have this like conflict in the basement. 
It's like, oh, and then they were all run out. And it's like, oh, no, we need a little bit more. And then, boom, the scriptwriters add in the daughter character. And they're like, oh, we'll have this thing where... So then the, the other daughter, who looks like a female version of Mike from Stranger Things, can rescue Octavia Spencer's daughter, and, and we can have an extra bit there. And they're like, oh, perfect, great. And then some one of the other guys went, but wait a minute, isn't the guy who looks like Michael Shannon still upstairs sick from dog blood? And they're like, ah, shit, yeah, uh, what do we do with him? Oh, we'll have Octavia Spencer slit his wrist so he's dead, dead. And now we don't have to worry about the house burning down. Just felt like they just had a quick idea on top of quick idea on top of quick idea. Because the guy who wrote this also wrote for Workaholics. (laughs) Is that a film? I don't know. Have you not seen this? No, I do not. Go do yourself a favor. Go watch Workaholics. It is a wonderful piece of comedy. Great. Then let's do ourselves a favor and move on to Greta. Okay. Hey. And I just want to say before I move on to Greta, like I, I think there's the bones of a good movie in it, and it could have been saved by if if the woman had come back to the town twenty years later and had lost all the weight and had plastic surgery and was not recognizable. The stranger danger is is much greater. And oh, so you wanted a scream too? No, but they all knew who she was, and like the guy that took advantage of her knew who she was, like. I'm, again, it's a classic cliche in a thriller, but the classic moment of, you don't remember me, do you? You could have cashed into all of that. That's been done to death. I guarantee you that version one of the script was that, and then version two was, oh shit. But for some reason, they still wanted somebody moving back to town. Yeah, Juliet Lewis. That's why we got that yeah. Juliet Lewis and her daughter, who looked like Mike from Stranger Things, but female. Moving back to, to town. Speaking of moving, let's, let's move, move on, on to Gre- Greta. Greta. Boy, this was a waste of acting talent, I tell you what. This film I found very annoying, but that's not, that's, that's not, an in, that's not a synopsis. Um, the synopsis <laughs> is uh, Chloe Grace Moritz, she finds a handbag on a train, and because she's just moved to New York... She's got a kinder heart than the average New Yorker and she finds the owner of it and she lives in an unlikely quaint little house. The old lady lives in a brick house. Chloe Grace Moritz lives in an unlikely giant apartment, but more on that later. And Chloe Grace Moritz's mom has recently died and this old lady, her her daughter, has moved away to Paris. So they, they form a bond, but as the bond continues... Chloe Grace Moritz is like, oh, wait, what? Mm, this is creepy because she finds like a bunch of handbags like the handbag she found. You see that in the trailer for this film in a closet. And she tries to break off her contact with Greta because she thinks like, oh, Greta, there's something weird about Greta. And then she keeps acting weirder as the film progresses. Yeah, the creepiness of Greta unfolds after that. But oh, my God, I did not like this movie. I, th- I, I watched Ma and I was like, I didn't really like that movie. Um but, I mean, Greta's probably going to be the same. I was not expecting it to be worse. See, the first two movies that we watched could have just been solved with a restraining order. Because they do that in Greta, yeah. but the, it's an unrealistic portrayal of what getting a restraining order is. You can call the cops and be like, this person is stalking me and they have to do something. I This may be true, but in this fantasy universe version of New York... I know, it's so... 
suspension of disbelief. Well, there's suspension of disbelief about the restraining order, but also the suspension of disbelief about everything looks nice. Haven't you ever been to New York? Everything is nice. This was the thing that annoyed me about the film, <laughs> was the colour grading and the way everything looked. And it was it was shot and coloured like a romantic comedy. And I didn't mind the very start, where it's like, ho-ho, it is going to be a nice film about two people making friends. But then they continued... That co- they needed some bleach bypass on that shit. They needed to show a grotty street covered in something. It's funny. It's funny that didn't bother me. And like, I mean, I I, I love my grottiness. That didn't bother me as much because, well, one, it's explained because her friend is a rich kid, and she says, "My dad bought me a loft in Tribeca," so it's clear she's a spoiled rich kid. And then two, with regard to the, I, I know what you're saying about the quaint little perfect hipster house that the old lady lives in, but again. An older person has accumulated wealth. It's more, it's less explainable when it's a young person. And yeah, she's living in an ideal hipster yeah. lodge that's probably worth five million dollars because it's in the center of New York. Oh, so I think expensive. five million dollars is on the cheap side, but go on. Yeah, the thing about this film, it's directed by Neil Jordan, the director of Note, an Irish director who's done huge A productions, and um, the film is really, really classy and cinematic in a very traditional classic way. And, and that relates to even some of what you're saying, Mike. It's very polished. It's perfect New York. You know, you could cut a trailer together from this movie for a happy-go-lucky Girls in New York movie from the early 2000s. But that does relate back to the filmmaker. I mean, like, Neil Jordan has done Interview with the Vampire. He's done Hot Rod oh, as well. And, and he's done all sorts of big, really highbrow, classy films. And that really showed in the film, because even the... The restaurant that the girl is working in looks so cinematic and beautiful. It reminded me of, like, I don't know, like Arthur or Arthur on the Rocks, like 80s New York movies, you know. I didn't find that as problematic because, I suppose, I just found it more like a thriller than a horror. So I didn't need all the scuzzy, grungy shit to go along for the ride. It didn't It didn't suit the type of story that it was trying to tell, like I thought, because I wasn't actually, I didn't feel like anyone was in any significant danger it was like a bunch of rich people with fake problems like how how much improved would the film be is you keep greta in her in her in her unlikely nice house but you make chloe grace moritz characters like like poor like how much better is it if chloe grace moritz's relationship with greta is that oh i have this nice old lady that loves buying me stuff yeah 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 a sugar mommy how much harder would it be for her to shake her as a poor girl, you know? like, And that that would add an extra level of mm. horror right on top. Yeah, you could get some sort of gross capitalism message in there somewhere. Instead, we cut to Glowy Grace Moritz talking on the phone to her dad, whose job is to stand in front of a projection of a yacht in a tall building. Oh, was that what that was? Yeah, and he's, he's like, why don't you come to our house on Martha's Vineyard to get away from that yeah, creepy yeah, lady? Yeah, 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 All yeah. my sympathy for them just disappeared. It was like, fuck <sighs> these Fucking Martha's Vineyard, full of rich people. But it's funny, when I was watching it, and I was thinking of Neil Jordan and the people involved in the movie, and the, the locations that it was shot in, and sometimes you see movies like that where it's like, did the cast and crew also want to have a really expensive holiday? You know, was this like a really expensive jolly? Yes, actually, that's definitely a thing. <laughs> Do you know what super cemented this for me? That it was just Neil Jordan getting a paycheck? 
was the appearance of Stephen Rea in for in the, five minutes. Yeah. For five minutes doing a terrible American accent. And it was like, hey, buddy, do you also want a week in a posh hotel and you can eat in the posh restaurant where we're filming? Brian, Brian and Lagan, in case you don't know, Stephen Rea is Neil Jordan's bestest bro and he's been in every single Neil Jordan <laughs> film. He's, he's okay. Stephen, okay. He's, he's Neil Jordan's Johnny Depp. If, if Neil Jordan yeah. is making a film, Stephen Ray has oh, to sure. be in it too. Gotcha. And I hated gotcha. it because how much stronger would that end conflict have been if the girl's dad had tracked her down to this creepy lady's house and it was the girl's dad who was getting killed in the other room. It's because nobody gives a shit about Stephen Ray and his shitty American accent, you know? No, no, yeah. no. He, he was just generic. It's a private detective. Yeah, have him in as a private detective. Do you know what they could have done? They could have cast Stephen Ray as her dad. That would have also helped things. But my guess is that whoever was producing this listened to Stephen Ray's American accent and said, no. <laughs> well, here's the thing, because she had a, she hmm. said she'd been living in Boston or something, and she had a slightly Irish lilt in her voice. And the fact that the Irish Film Board had something to do with this movie as well. Um, you could have cast her dad as just being Irish. That would have worked way better. Yeah. See, that would have solved everything. So. Stephen Ray is in all the scenes with the dad, and he's just Stephen Ray talking with his Irish accent. Yeah, because Stephen Ray is a fine character actor. I mean, Jesus. Is it Ray or Ray? It doesn't matter. I think it's Stephen I, Ray. I don't, maybe it's Ray. I don't know. I had more truck with this movie than Ma, and maybe that's because it's a lot classier and shinier and more polished and more competent. And I did find some of the tension with high stakes in it. The movie, from my point of view, felt like, okay, it's trying to establish why she can't get police help. The Americans, how realistic or unrealistic was any of that? As someone who has had, or having a friend go through um, having a stalker, is that what I just said? Jesus Christ. You were the stalker. Go on, Brian. Um, <laughs> I was not the stalker. As, as someone who's had a friend who's had to go barring a stalker, me. <laughs> right. As My a, friend, as, quote, no, unquote. As a former stalker. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been a way better line. As a former stalker, it's way too easy to get those fucking things. <laughs> Shit. Um, all right, so it's actually... it's. It's easy to get restraining orders and get police to do something about somebody that you think is a stalker. You don't need a whole lot of evidence for that. To get a restraining order, you do have to go to court okay. and you have to get a court okay. date and stuff. But between the time that you file for a restraining order and your court appearances, you can get cops to like patrol your house. Okay, but, but the things that were happening to her versus the reaction to of the police like was that within the realm of that's completely unrealistic that's that's a rich person never having to deal with normal people problems and then put that in a movie, <laughs> basically so no but are you saying that the police would have acted more strongly in reality yeah 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 they would have been like all right cool um greta you have to leave you can't just stare at people if they feel threatened uh, especially after the whole uh her going to the all the photos all the photos of her roommate going to the club and yeah. shit. Like, you can go to the cops and be like, look, someone sent me these. And they'll be like, all right, cool. We'll, like, track this number down and figure out, like, send a subpoena to, I don't know, Verizon or something. And then get this person's cell phone Certainly, information. 
As, as the film goes along, it, it, the evidence against Greta stacks up. Yeah, which makes the last bit harder to believe. The last bit was ridiculous. The third act, I thought, was good. I thought the acting in this movie was pretty awesome. Pretty high-caliber acting, honestly. Mm. Um, but there's only, like, two actors, so whatever. Two, two and a half, yeah. It's. I was going to say the smallness of Chloe Grace Moritz's voice is not her fault. The fact that she sounds like Bart Simpson is not her fault, right? But but I, I found something about her meekness intolerable. And as for Greta, they didn't give that actress enough creepy things to say or do until the yeah. very last part. It's like a different movie. They, they very much flipped the switch of, like, Greta's creepy now, the handbags were discovered, and they could have built up the more, like, don't go on the West Wing, like something's going on. The other weird choice that they make is, West Wing? Um, you know, Beauty and the Beast. No, okay. Um, no, the other you. weird choice that they make is Isabel Hubert is a French actress, and they have her play a Hungarian for some reason. She's supposed to be a Hungarian pretending to be Pre- French, pretending to be French, so it's okay. Yeah, she's pretending. She she has a French affectation, and they talk about her history briefly in one exposition dump scene in a coffee shop. It. <laughs> I guess it's, it didn't sound French to me, which is funny. It sounded pretty French to me, but, yeah, whatever. And then, why the central... I, I thought, why the central protagonist never said, stop... She said, stop calling me that when she says Cherie. Whereas she should have said, stop talking like that if you're not actually French. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, they didn't pay it off. Uh, and, yeah, so there was no payoff for the reveal, which I thought, oh, that's unusual. I thought the central performance by the weird old lady was fine. It's just script problems, you know. I don't. I don't even know if they're casting problems here, apart from the dad. Yeah, for like a horror thriller, or like psychological horror, it just it was a bit too slow and unimpactful until the like actual like kidnapping events and stuff. That was pretty gross. As someone who's claustrophobic. Any movie where somebody gets locked in a box and then locked in a room with effectively no doors, that's... that's uh, The only chill I got in the movie was the exposition dump in the cafe at the same time we learned she's not actually French when the lady says, I thought the box was a metaphor. But as, as time passed on, I became to realize that it mightn't be. That was the only time I... Ooh, that little bit of exposition is fierce creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We learned that she like was very strict with her daughter, uh, and after her daughter like messed up on the piano, would lock her in a literal box. Mm. And so this is her obsession. She captures these young impressionable girls and tries to teach them piano and baking because mm-hmm. she lost her daughter to suicide, right, or to to drugs. Well, I think the daughter ran away, and then the daughter tried to deal with her problems with alcohol and drugs, and then finally succumbed to it. You know? Yeah. 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 And we don't know how many people she's lured. We find out for sure she's lured one extra person. I think that's probably it. Like, you know? Well, we have an idea because in the beginning of the movie, when you find out Greta's creepy and you have the scene where um, Chloe Grace Moritz finds all the bags, there's sticky notes on the back of them that have names and numbers on them. So you have an idea that she's been doing it for a while. But. Of solid numbers. But is there, was, yeah, that's the thing I didn't notice. Is there lots of names on those bags? 
She she found one another and she found her own. Finding a sticky on the back of one with a name on the road from a visual exposition gave the point of view of, yeah, there's shitloads of these people. But you only ever see one. It felt a bit like a tin pot Hitchcock effort, uh, the third act, when uh, Stephen Ray's been rolled down the stairs. And I don't know, was it something with the score? Because the score had strings on it. it. It felt like it was trying to invoke a bit of tin pot Hitchcock and the little holes in the spiral she was talking through. That was one of the things I liked, where it's like Stephen Rea is trying to shoot this lady, but he's being drugged. And he's yeah. like, oh, he's <clears throat> my hit Chloe oh, yeah. Moritz in the creepy room that she's trapped in. And the one creepy thing in the whole film, although it's like, you know, it's, it's child creepy, is the bag. Ah, uh, have you ever seen Audition? It's the same idea, there's a lady in a bag. Oh, this, this whole trope of a scene where a bag starts moving, a human-sized bag, is... I'm pretty sure it's from a Japanese horror movie called Audition, and if you haven't seen that, it is iconic. I guess we should figure out how to work an audition to no, our... No, 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 no. That deserves to be on a good movie podcast. <laughs> Can we just do a subgenre called... We were all fed up with shit movies. Can that be the name of their next podcast? Sure. Yeah, yeah so it's Corey Gaysmeritz chops off Greta's finger while they're baking. And it was like, oh, weird. The most violent, creepy thing in this uh, visually horrible thing happens to the antagonist, not the protagonist. So Greta's finger yeah. is chopped off and then Glorious Gaysmeritz runs off. And then she finds the previous version of herself in a bag in the basement, still alive, still breathing. Covered in some sort of film. Lie. And that's when you realize, started the film where Gloria Grace Moritz went to the creepy lady's house and there was the noise of the neighbors being noisy. It wasn't the neighbors. It was the other lady trapped in the room. And you're like, there's a creepy thing. I've been bored for an hour and a half and now we have a creepy thing. And there was some sort of weird thin gauze over the lady's face that was very creepy. This is kind of what I wanted for the whole film. Is this kind of like the whatever whatever way they filmed the basement is like? Could it, could they film more of the film this way, please? Yeah, I thought the aesthetic of the basement scenes and the the like secret room scenes were very uncomfortable. But that was the only part where I was like, this is this is now actually mm. exciting. Yeah, we also get to see just how crazy she is as she's slowly killing this uh, PI. She's doing this like weird little psychotic that dance. That was good. That little dance was good. She's just taunting dance, yeah. Doing ballet or whatever. It's sort of like the first time we get like a character from her, I feel like, before it's just like, sure. I'm an unhinged old lady. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of, of another film, but I can't remember what the film is. It felt, felt very familiar. Reminds me of me when I get out the shower. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it reminded me of, also, Brian, you getting out of the shower. Uh, i guess we've spoiled this one more than ma funnily enough do we need to creep our way over to the next movie fucking nailed it fucking nailed it i'm gonna creep to the bathroom i'll be back to a second oh i'll make a stab at it okay creep is a movie about a struggling a struggling videographer who who's played by the director of the movie who sees an ad thousand dollars for a day of filming, discretion advised, and the guy's hard up for money and so on, so he takes the job. So he drives out into this remote location and he meets the guy, or what he's told is that he is a terminal illness and he wants to make sort of a video diary for his yet-to-be-born son. 
and our main protagonist kind of you get the sense that he feels a bit sorry for him and of course our main protagonist is a little bit vulnerable because he needs the money so as the weirdness ramps up it sort of allows for um, the main protagonist kind of hanging in there and without saying any more because I don't think I need to say any more because a lot of this movie is sort of experiential and very intimate uh, as we go along mm. I think that's enough of a setup so we have videographer Philomene, man he's never met before, under the guise that it's for a yet-to-be-born son and the guy is meant to be uh, have a terminal illness. Off we go. So before we go off, do we want to spoil stuff for this movie? I think we have to, to explain it properly. Yeah. You know, Well, there's some stuff we probably don't need to spoil. I will say this, though. Creep is good. Yes. If you haven't seen it... You should go watch it now before listening to the rest of the podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> Come back when you've watched it because there's no way I think we could talk about it properly without spoiling it. And, I mean, you kind of immediately pick up that something is pretty off because I remember seeing this when it came out and watching it this time, I felt way more uncomfortable than I remembered being. A lot of these films that we watch for this podcast, I will never watch again, ever. But Creep, this was my mm. second time watching it, and I have to say that it was nearly, it was a couple of years since I watched like maybe five years since I watched it, and it's just as enjoyable the second time because Mark Duplass as this character, mm. is the character's name, uh, no, Aaron is the other guy. Joseph. 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 And we don't even know his real name, Joseph. He commits. He is so good as the creepy dude. And there's a lot of stuff I want to talk Mm -hmm. about with his performance. You almost say it's Bing Bong. I mean, this was, I remember a few years ago, this movie came out and I had watched it and and I recommended it to you, Michael. Mm. And one of the things that was so striking was the central performance. Because if if you've ever had the fortune or misfortune to be around somebody who's off, and after a, and in a very short time, you start to pick up on things. I get the sense this guy nailed. And because the movie is so intimate, it's it's POV. It's mm. you know, I mean, certainly for the first two acts, you feel exactly as our videographer might feel. You're there. It's very intimate. It's up close, and it really feeds back that kind of feedback loop of people I've met in my life where after a short time you get that really uneasy queasy feeling of oh something is off desperation with some unforeseen motivation i don't know how we even mentioned the format of this movie is found footage yeah and that's important a lot of times there's like cheapy found footage films and the fact that it's found footage it's obviously because it was cheaper to make it that way but in this thing it it makes it so intimate that it 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 really enhances the experience of you feel like mark duplass is talking directly to you directly to you and another and another thing i remember one of the problems with found footage always is the suspense of disbelief and why is he still filming why not put the camera down but at a certain point you start to realize the only chance of survival might be to keep filming. Yeah. <laughs> and also, when, when things start to go wrong, you know, at a psychological level, keeping yourself behind the camera is a strange way of distancing yourself from what might actually be happening. So, the, you know, the question of why keep filming is answered brilliantly by this movie. I was looking up how, like, the process of making this movie, and, yeah, these two guys were like, we want to just work together? 
And so they just kind of had a five page basis that they improved. Um, and it's funny that that process has resulted in a more believable, interesting setup than the other two more manufactured yes. movies. This is an offshoot of a, of a Blumhouse movie. And so those guys came in and helped them kind of polish it out a little bit. But basically, the only feedback that they got was like, hey, make it darker, like lean into the stuff that makes it unsettling, that makes it too intimate for the audience. Yeah, because so much of what we're being told by the main character, we start to sense or come to sense it's lies. We're not sure you do start to go through all of those feelings. You know, and everybody who watches this is going to get something slightly different from the narrative because the guy is a psychopath and a pathological liar and we're not never sure which way is up. Um, but but as you say, like the thing that I had read about the movie Postscript was also that, yeah, a lot of it was improv. This dude is very um, affable. Even though you know he's creepy, he's creepy in a kind of a weird, likable way. He's a sympathetic predator. He's like the Portlandia version of a serial killer. It's like kind of quirky. His very like way of talking and little affirmations and everything's beautiful and you're nice and hey nice and hey buddy and let's hug. and He's like a, the creepiest version of a dude who sells artisanal twine balls for a living or, you know... Mm. He's, he's yeah. like, so, yeah, some dude who would like yeah. work in a nice little secondhand bookstore and drink yeah, a little you, cup of... Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it all starts with like, I I have terminal cancer, right? So at that point, it's, you will always feel sympathy for somebody who's like, yeah, I'm going to die and I know <laughs> when I'm going to die. So starting off with that and then adding sort of desperate niceness to every mm. action really if you're a normal person or relatively normal person with any sort of empathy you're just gonna be like all right fine i'll like i'll hang out with you i guess you only have three yeah. months to live but like he's like the murderous version of jerry from rick and morty where he uses sympathy to manipulate people yeah, like he's a he's one of those I'm a hugger guys. It's like, oh yeah, that's for you. That I, that's not for me, huh? You're 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 demanding a hug for your own benefit. Thanks. All right. <laughs> hey, remember hugging? Um, hey, what's the wolf's name? Peach Fuzz. <laughs> Peach Fuzz. I may look like a big bad wolf. You want to talk about Peach yeah. Fuzz? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's well done here is just kind of an inversion as well, where. You know, the first two acts are very much you're going through what the videographer is going through. But the third act is a flip where um, it's more from our weirdo's point of view, stalking our, our, our main protagonist. Yeah, yeah. That's my only complaint is that after he runs away from the house and there's the fake out where you think he's he's maybe died or whatever. And then the film just starts again. Like it's this the it's the Aaron character talking into the camera about his experience. That just felt a little bit weaker to me, but I think that might be because it was just like I loved the Mark Duplass character so much 
Well, he's not uncomfortable as a character, I think. So when he's talking to the camera, you're like, oh, this is a normal guy who's panicking about stuff instead of mentally interacting with somebody who's intentionally trying to make you feel uncomfortable. It does transition strangely because it becomes like interacting with this creepy guy and then it becomes the interaction between the two that you're watching. So the format changes, shifts a little bit. In interviews, um, the guy who played Aaron also emphasized that he's not usually in front of the camera. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> mm. this is a franchise, I suppose, and Creep 2 Ooh. changes a lot in a lot of ways. And the videographer that time is more of an actress, I would say. Yeah. Not to get too much into that. I just, I have been dying for Creep 3 to come out. So <laughs> I never bothered with Creep 2 because I thought... If you did replicate this, what would the point be? And then how can you replicate this? And so that's the thing is that they don't they don't try to replicate it. Um, he, he goes through an entirely different emotional arc. Okay. I think it's a, a issue of like a sequel that was demanded on high because the movie yeah. did well and it cost peanuts to make. Wasn't necessary and wasn't needed and wasn't requested because it wraps up every single sequel by the end of it i mean uh, the budget of this versus the budget of greta with neil jordan and his huge team we don't I, we can bring up the figures but i can wager it's probably a 10 to 1 ratio at least we don't need to it's visible yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's probably at least a 10 to 1 and there's so much to talk about here with this movie it's the strongest of the three it's a great movie we all like it the whole premise of the guy pouring his heart out to this camera and just like spilling out all these details of his life that are incredibly uncomfortable. When I moved to America, it was one of the things I noticed is mm. that you'd be standing in the line at the post office and then all of a sudden there's a dude you've never met in your life telling yeah, you, yeah. it's like, ah, Jesus, I went, except, no, I'm using the Irish, <laughs> Irish joke voice. I can't use the American voice. It's like, hello, my name is John. I'm going to tell you about the colonoscopy I just had. Yeah, yeah. And then he would just launch into these incredibly personal details. I, when I was here first, I thought it was uh, very endearing that Americans were so open with so much stuff and would just tell you whatever. And they did not seem to give a shit. And like they were happy in a kind of a weird narcissistic way to have people just hear the intimate details of their life. But now... <laughs> 10 years after being here, my conclusion, and this is another thing that kind of comes across in the movie, maybe it's just something I took out of it, is that Americans are an intensely lonely race. Oh. <laughs> race? Well, whatever. Excuse Country, me? state, is that Americans have to <laughs> spill their guts out to people in line at the grocery store. Oh, absolutely. Because that might be their only human interaction for the day. Also, you know, privilege or whatever. Americans are expected to move for work. It's just average that they... Yeah. Like, the average average American doesn't live in the state they were born in. Or maybe that's not even true. But it seems like people uproot their entire lives and move. Seems to be more of a thing, yeah. It's more of a thing... Late stage capitalism. And I think that results in them all being really lonely. So the idea of this weird dude who seems slightly unbalanced spilling out all the details of his life for me was like, oh, this is like going to the post office. <laughs> well, it's funny because you're coming at it from the mm. Irish perspective. And as you say, like Irish people never did that. I mean, conservative and the theocracy and 
a subjugated colony. We we just we just kept ourselves to ourselves. But good Christian fun. No, but post two thousand, like up until the year two thousand, at least there was no such thing as a mental health issue in this country. You were bad with your nerves. He's bad with his nerves, or he's, he's he's a bit, you know, he's a bit strange sometimes. And but what's happened now is we've gone quite American, <laughs> so where because it's now okay to talk about mental health, people talk about it too much, and you got to make up for it. No, but there's almost like a heroic quality to it that if you if you don't want to talk about it, you're accused of there's something fucking wrong with you, and you just don't want to talk about there it. There generally is, you know, yeah. and it's it's a case of people talk about it too much because they feel it's a safe place to look for purchase and kudos because I can talk about it, don't you know? And I should get kudos for that. And if you're not willing to talk about it, it's a bit like just because you're allowed to cry now, that doesn't mean you should cry all the time. It's okay to show strength. You know, you should show strength sometimes. Be a fucking man. Sure. Well, I mean, there's that. And then there's, well, we could do a whole nother podcast about armchair psychology, but as somebody who studied mental health for, you know, five years. After 10 years of being in America, I'm probably more on, on the side of, you know, if you feel like talking about your mental health, talk about your mental health. That's great. I have one quick story. Bring, bring it back. back to the being at the post office thing. Uh, I was grocery shopping one day and normally you talk to people about whatever. It's fine to talk about like the weather or something like that or like, oh, nice outfit or some shit, right? Somebody was showing me drone footage. (laughs) What? (laughs) Drone footage like, you know, the black and white ones where the bombs go off and kill people. Drone footage. That is uncomfortable mm. and not cool and very American. But were they showing it to you going, fuck yeah, or showing it to you going, this is awful? Oh, going, okay. fuck yeah. Going, Ooh. like, check this out. <laughs> this is from Afghanistan or whatever. And I'm like, oh, no. But this is the thing that I think why the creep character works so well is because we've all met this weirdo dude who he he doesn't have anyone to talk to so he's going to talk to you <laughs> you know yeah, uh, yeah 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 so this film kind of evoke a lot of different emotions uh, they're all uncomfortable yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's a very exp- it's i mean it's great it's a real tour de force this movie it's, it connects with people so strongly because we've all had that that feeling when you're talking to someone mm. most normal people have been desperate for human contact at one point in their life that's pretty relatable sentiment with covid especially now yeah now more than ever (laughs) now when you go to a shop it's like i I can't get away from the cashier now you know because (laughs) that's right or it's the other way around where the cashier can't get rid of the person because it's like hello how are you how are the kids how's life how you doing you know and because the lack of human contact and um you know the excitement now of going to a place to meet another human yeah, uh, I'm really not looking forward to the library lo- opening back up because that's all my job was before, and so I can't imagine how much worse <laughs> it's uh, going to do be. You don't like talking to people? No, I hate it. I love talking to people. I love new people. I'm enjoying lockdown. Most people are sucky anyway. Anyway, we, do we need to mm. do our final push? I, I, we don't want to ruin the ending of Creep, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- we managed to talk about it. We spoiled that the dude is a creepy weirdo liar, but we... We managed to talk about creep without the particulars, and this is the thing: the the particulars aren't really even that important. No, and but there isn't a lot of particulars. Yeah, it yeah. sets out to yeah. do a thing and does it immediately, and you're like, "There's something off." 
and you pretty much know what's going to be off, but not how. So it's pretty apparent. Yeah. I don't really need to talk and about I, it. I, I even found Mark Duplass's uh, Joseph's stories, watching it second time with the eye of this guy is just, it's all lies. It's enjoyable the yeah. second time yeah. when you know it's all lies. Because yeah. I think there was a large improvisational element in the in the way they filmed it. And I think that comes across. So you're watching Mark Duplass make up these stories in real time. And I think that's great. <laughs> it's funny because I had a similar experience on the rewatch, but it's also because, again, I was reminded of people I've known who've told me the same lies again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, sure. Yeah, so yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it captures that feeling wonderfully. Um, so shall we do our final push? Somebody go first. Mm-hmm. Gross, Lagan. I've, I've every damn time. Every time, you time. Have the intro, and then you have grunts. <laughs> You're a creep. <laughs> I, I've picked these movies because I related to the all of the antagonists. Yes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I would say Ma is okay. Watch with friends. I would actually flush Greta. Um, the, it's film shaped. It's the most film shaped out of all of these, and that made me hate it more because it didn't. Yeah. It didn't suit the subject matter. I don't think. And creep is fantastic. Watch it by yourself. Watch it with friends. Normally, the watch it with friends when we give that recommendation, it's because it's like a moral support thing. Is you need friends to be able to get through this piece of shit. I would say well, that's creep changed. You watch it with friends because it's a brilliant movie and more people should see it. So that's my recommendations. Keep adding yes. to our metrics, but they're nebulous anyway. I'll go second since I've had the second most okay. amount of caffeine. Get it? Because poop jokes. Sure. Uh, yeah. I get it now. Yes. Okay. That's our brand. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Just like my butt when I drink too much coffee. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, creep is great. Creep is, is wonderful. I think it's almost revolutionary in, in the found footage horror genre and, like, legitimizing it. Greta is a waste of talent, mm. and Ma is a waste of time. So you can flush those two. Ah, in different yeah. ways. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I guess watch by yourself or with friends with Creep, since, you know, yeah. we can have movies that fall into more than one category. As usual, I'm going to deviate slightly from her classification i mean ma and greta are very conventional movies um they're perfectly well made if there's narrative issues they're well made technically i suppose and they serve very very well as what would have been tv movies of the week now it's a netflix own or an amazon <laughs> thing whatever you know it's it's like i see greta is in the top 10 Netflix chart. Oh, Mark Dark. No, in the Netflix chart in Ireland, Greta is in the top ten at the moment. Oh, um, gross. Yeah. It's funny, since COVID, all sorts of weird things pop up in the top ten because there's a lack of content. But yeah. Ma and Greta feel like they've come from the same place. They're like a TV movie of the week. They're well made, but a bit lazy or uninspired in places. But in terms of its technical uh, capabilities, especially Greta, you know, as Mike said, very movie-shaped. Creep is brilliant. But the thing that struck me, Creep obviously is a found footage, so it's very high concept in terms of format. If you were to revise and put together Stranger Danger again, maybe something like Unfriended, which is high concept in terms of its format, it's all on a laptop screen. Like It just felt like you've got one really high concept thing and two things that are so conventional, they're just they're vanilla. Yeah. Uh, just watch Creep. And um, 
if you'll excuse me, some guy needs me to help him find his dog. <laughs>